Turn, if you would, this morning to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I appreciate that song and I appreciate the music, especially that last song. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. It's a wonderful, wonderful truth, and I hope every one of us have a desire for the Lord to speak to us today. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. I pray now that you would help us as we spend these next few moments in your word to do so with a a heart that is open to receive what you would have for us and with a desire also uh, that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord, that we would not just sit here and spend the moments with our mind someplace else, with our attention someplace else, but, God, that we would give the time and the attention to you. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who were here last week, you may remember that we spent our time in the first 10 verses of chapter 9, and in doing so, we watched as Solomon spoke of something that he had written of earlier in this book, that being on the subject of death and the finality of it, the fact that once a person has passed from this life, it is done, there is no more for them to experience, there is no more for them to do. Uh, They will soon, he said, be forgotten. That's not always a pleasant thing to consider, but it is a truth. And as he made his way through his thoughts, we eventually came to this point and we came to this challenge where Solomon said to the readers, basically, enjoy life. Enjoy life. But as he encouraged whoever would pick up these words and read them to enjoy life, He also said this, work at it, work at it. The truth of the matter is this, that if we are going to enjoy life the way that we're supposed to, we have to work at it. And so many times what people want is they want to enjoy life, they just don't want to put forth the effort required. They want to enjoy their relationships, they want to enjoy their careers, they want to enjoy whatever it is that is important to them at the moment. They want it to all be enjoyable, they want it to all be pleasant, they want it to all be pleasing to them, they just don't want to put forth the effort. And the truth of the matter is this, if you're not willing to work at it, you're never going to enjoy it. And that truth of last week's message ties in to what we're going to be looking at this morning. But before we get there, I want us to consider a few questions. As you sit here, I I know that this may not apply to you. You may say, no, not guilty of this one. Just know that if we were to stay here long enough, I could find something that you were guilty of. All right? So it's not as though you're going to be able to skate through life and say, no, 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 I never do that one. It just may be that what I'm about to present to you, you may say, oh, no, 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 that hadn't happened to me. So I want us to think about something, and we're just going to give ourselves a time frame here, okay? Because I know if we were to consider our entire lives, we'd all be guilty of everything that I'm about to mention. But let's just consider in the last 
30 days by way of a time frame. In the last 30 days, is it possible that you found yourself angry about something that looking back at it now, you would have to say it probably did not merit that much anger on my behalf. In the last 30 days, whether it be at work, whether it be with your kids, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with some politician, whatever it may be, in the last 30 days, have you gotten angry? And today you would say, you know, I, I kind of let my anger get the best of me. I, I kind of let it, let's listen, I, I kind of let it control me. And uh, yeah, I, I overreacted to that one. It's probably happened to at least one or two of us. In the last 30 days, would this be true, possibly, of someone in the room today? That in that time frame, you've said something. Looking back on it, if you had a chance to redo it, you wouldn't have said that. You wouldn't have expressed it that way. You, you wouldn't have spoken those words with that tone. You, 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 just, you wouldn't have said anything at all. Is it possible that in the last 30 days that, that we said something that really didn't need to be said, or at least not in that fashion? It's probably happened to some of us. In the last 30 days, has this happened? That you allowed your thoughts to go somewhere that really they didn't need to go. You know, in, in, in the last month, just you found yourself worrying about something you couldn't change. You found yourself doubting someone that you really didn't need to be doubting. You found yourself rehashing some situation that didn't really need to be rehashed. And you were just going over it over and over and over again in your mind. Has there been anything in the last 30 days where you would say, yeah, I've thought about some things that I really shouldn't have been dwelling upon? Well, if you think about it, it's true of many of us that in the last 30 days, our anger has gotten the best of us. We've said some things that probably didn't need to be said, or at least not in the manner in which we said them. We've had some thoughts pass through our minds that we allowed ourselves to dwell upon that we should have just kicked out of our mind as, as soon as they entered. And you understand, don't you, that I could go on and on? I could find something you were guilty of in the last month. Now that being said, I'd like us to consider this, and again it's for future reference in the message this morning. But I want us to think about this, whether it be related to our anger, our words, our thoughts, or anything else, for most of us this would be true, that what we now recognize to have been a wrong action or a wrong response on our part, when we did it, it's not as though we did it intentionally or on purpose. You know what I'm saying? What I mean by that is this, is you did not wake up one morning and say, you know, it's time for me to blow my top today. It is time for me to let my anger get the best of me today. Today is the day that I'll go to work and I'll just be mad at everybody. That's not what you did. The fact that you got angry and you said some things and, and did some things that you now wish you hadn't, it was done unintentionally. Now, it does not negate the fact that it is wrong 
for us to let the anger get the best of us, for us to say some things that maybe we wish we hadn't said or that we would state it in a different tone. But again, it was done unintentionally. None of us on purpose strive for failure. If that is what you strive for, you are a weirdo. No one ever strives to fail. And so this morning, if you would say, you know, in the last month, man, I have struggled with my thought life. I have struggled at different times dwelling upon things that that, that I didn't mean to dwell upon. Here's what I know. You didn't do it on purpose. You did not say, let me work myself into a tizzy. Let me get myself depressed. Let me get myself all worked up. This is the day that I do it. No, it just happened. And it was wrong and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be taken care of. But again, it was not intentional. Why say all that? Well, we'll come back to that in a couple of moments, but look in verse number 11. Solomon says in verse number 11, I returned. You understand what that means, don't you? It means I came back to something. You cannot return to something that you have never been to before. So Solomon says, I returned, which means he is coming back to something. And this is something that he has visited in his mind or in his evaluation of things. Whatever it would have been, we don't know for certain. But he said, I returned and saw under the sun. I went back and I considered some things upon this earth. And here's what I found to be true. He said in verse number 11, that the race is not to the swift. I don't know about you, but just in general, that doesn't sound very biblical. Does, this, does that sound very scriptural and, and godly to you? If somebody walked up to you and you weren't really thinking scripturally and, and they walked up to you and said, you know, I just want to share something with you this morning. The race is not to the swift. Most of you wouldn't say, now that sounds spiritual. But this is an observation that Solomon has made that the race is not to the swift. What does that mean? It just means this. The fastest person doesn't always win the race. If you've ever watched a sporting event that involved racing, you know that to be true, right? If you've ever watched the Olympics and you've watched the 100-yard dash or the 100-meter dash, you know that you have the favorite. You know that you have the one who is supposed to win. And there are these times that, that this occurs, that this takes place, that an upset happens. That an upset takes place and someone who was not viewed as the favorite, the one who was not viewed as the projected winner is the one who actually wins. And so... The race doesn't always go to the the swiftest or the fastest of runners. He goes on to say this, nor the battle to the strong. What does that mean? It, It means this, the strongest person doesn't always win. You think Solomon had any personal references he could have looked to for proof to that? I mean, do you think every once in a while he heard the story about his dad again? You know, this may shock you, but I've heard other people tell me the story about my dad with Goliath. 
Yes, I know Goliath was a big man. Yes, I know Goliath was huge. Yes, I know that he was breathing out the threatenings against the children of Israel. Yeah, I've heard that one, trust me. But I think in more than one situation, in more than one area of life, Solomon would have found that to be true, that, you know, it's not always the strongest that wins. Sometimes the bigger person gets a hold of a whole lot of a little person, and that little person can mess up the big person really quick in a serious kind of way. So there's that aspect of things that Solomon brings to our attention. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding. What does that mean? It it basically means this. Those who are wise and those who have the understanding, it's not always them who you might say is the most successful in life. Sometimes the truth is you have very intelligent people who just did not particularly excel or they didn't necessarily catch the breaks that maybe someone else caught. And we'll see that in just a moment. And he goes on to say, nor yet favor to men of skill. And, and so just because a man has favor, just because someone you know, is, is, is favored in the eyes of someone else, it, it may not be them. Uh, it's the one who has skill is not always the recipient of the favor. But notice what he said next. He said, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Well, what does that mean from a secular viewpoint? What does that mean from a secular perspective? It means this. Sometimes people just get lucky. Now, you and I understand that luck isn't really involved in the process, but as humans would look at this from an unbiblical standpoint, here's what they would say. You know what? Sometimes it's just how the cookie crumbles. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. That's just the way the ball bounces. Sometimes the slower guy is able to outrun the faster guy because of this. And sometimes the weaker guy, the the less impressive person is able to do this. And sometimes this businessman is able to be at the right spot at the right time. And the list just goes on and on. Sometimes this is the way it works. Time and chance happeneth to everyone. So if you consider in verse number 11 what Solomon is saying, you could almost come to this conclusion then by way of a summary of his thoughts. That nothing is really certain in life. Nothing is a guarantee. The fastest is not always the winner. The strongest is not always victorious. The wise is not always the richest. The skilled is not always the favored. There's nothing in life that is certain. There is nothing in life that is guaranteed. Now, that in mind, go to verse number 12. He said, for man also knoweth not his time. See, verse 11 and 12 are tied together. So he says, man also knoweth not his time. What does that mean? Well, if you think about it in light of the entire chapter to this point, here's what he's saying. Men and women don't know how long they have. 
men and women living on this earth, men, women, and children living on this earth, they do not know how long they have. You understand what he's saying now for life? What he's saying for individuals? You know what he is saying? He is saying this. It's kind of like the race not going to the swift and, and the battle to the strong. There are just uncertainties out there and nothing is guaranteed. You know what is true of every one of us, Solomon says? By way of time on this earth, nothing is certain. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is for sure. Now think about the days in which Solomon was writing this letter. They, like today, had people die unexpected, premature deaths. You realize this, right? It's not just something that's new to our generation. I mean, they had people who died premature, unexpected deaths. They had people die in accidents. They had people who left and never returned. I mean, things like that happened in their day. And so what is Solomon doing? He is trying to remind his readers, listen, there is nothing certain and there is nothing guaranteed about this life. Just like the fastest runner can't assume that they're going to win. And just like the strongest warrior cannot assume they're going to win. Whatever the situation may be, he says to his readers, listen, you are not guaranteed anything by way of this life. Nothing is sure. Nothing is certain. Well, how do we know? Because Solomon goes ahead and illustrates it for us in ways that probably you and I wouldn't have thought of. He said, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net. That's what life looks like. Think about the illustration here. You got a fish, right? I don't know what goes through a fish's mind. I'm guessing not a whole lot. But you know, a fish is just in the water doing what fish do, correct? Fish is just enjoying the water. Fish is just enjoying the day. The fish is just swimming, going wherever the fish wants to go. I mean, that's the instinct of a fish. And here's what the fish did not do one hour before this event. The fish did not say, well, I bet I'm about to be caught up in a net. Drug up to the surface and soon be filleted and sold at market. So here's what happens to the fish. The fish is just going throughout its day, going throughout its life, doing whatever a fish does. And then all of a sudden, the net has got the fish. It's bringing it to the surface, and that fish will die. There was no warning. There was no preparation. There was no planning. It's just the way it happened. And Solomon said that's kind of what life is like sometimes. It's like the fish that is caught in an evil net. Notice what he said next. And as the birds that are caught in the snare. See the same idea. What does a bird do? A bird flies. What goes through the bird's mind? We don't know what goes through the bird's mind, but the bird just does what a bird does instinctively. But the bird is not sitting there thinking to itself, well, you know, there's this snare that I've got to be careful of. There's this snare that I've got to be mindful of. But that's exactly what happens to the bird. The snare gets it when the bird's not expecting it. And so here's Solomon illustrating this truth as it relates to life. Nothing is certain. Nothing is guaranteed. You're not promised anything. 
So he said in verse number 12, in the end, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. People, Solomon says, there's no guarantee to life. You don't know when it's going to come to an end. You don't know when it's going to come to a conclusion. You could just be going through life just doing whatever it is you do. You could just be going according to instinct. You could be living just according to routine. You could be living just according to habit. Because we're guilty of this, are we not? Just the routine, just the ritual, just the habit, just the instinct. This is what I do. And Solomon said, you better understand that for those of us who live upon this earth in an evil time, it is no different for us than it is anyone else. We could be like that fish or like that bird. One minute be here and the next minute be gone and it be done. We're not guaranteed 10 years. We're not guaranteed 10 months, 10 weeks, or 10 minutes. There's no such thing as a guarantee. Now that in mind, consider this question. Are there times that we live as though things are guaranteed. You better believe it. Well, if you're a sports fan, there are times that you kind of live like we got this one. Are we listening? Come on. If you're a sports fan, oh, yeah, we got this one. Isn't it frustrating when you're so certain that you got this one only to have your team upset by the person or the team that was not supposed to beat your guys? It's frustrating, isn't it? It's like this little dose of reality that we didn't want, and we sure don't want it right before we have to go to church the next day or that day. Because there will be somebody reminding you how vulnerable your team really was. Okay, some of you can identify with what I'm saying, others of you can't, whatever. I'm just saying it, it's not enjoyable. And, and, and sometimes we get confident that, that this person is going to succeed. This person has the sharps and the wits and the intelligence, and, and they've really got it going. They're going to be a success, only to find out, yeah, they're not as successful as everybody thought they were going to be. Here's what I'm trying to show us this morning. That sometimes we get very confident when really we should be mindful that nothing is certain. And as that happens with sports, as it happens in battles, as it happens in, in, in the lives of people that we are sure are destined for success, let's be honest, sometimes in our lives we begin to live with this sense of confidence that we have X amount of time remaining. Now here's the thing. It's kind of like anger. It's kind of like the words that we speak sometimes that we shouldn't have spoken or not in that manner. It's kind of like our thought life sometimes. 
Here's what I believe to be true. I don't believe it's intentional on our part. But what we start doing is we start planning our lives as though we are guaranteed a certain, let's listen, a certain measure of days. And we're not guaranteed a thing. See, we say things like this, and maybe not everyone, but sometimes we say things like this. Well, when the kids start going to school, how do we know they will? Well, we're just confident they will. Well, we have no idea. Well, well when the kids graduate, well, we don't know that they will. But, but here's what happens. We get very flippant in our attitude and our approach to life. And we're going to come back to this in a minute. So, so hold on to it and, and, and stay excited like you are right now. Okay. <laughs> we say, well, when the kids graduate, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And, and that's what we'll do. And we have no guarantee that the kids will graduate. Or that we'll be around when they graduate. But we sure talk like we know that this is what's going to happen. Now, how did we get into that mindset? Listen, it was accidental. It wasn't on purpose. But we've started assuming that we know the, the, the direction that our life is going to take and the days and the weeks and the months and the years that we'll have. And we don't know if the kids will ever graduate or if we'll be around to see them graduate. Well, when the kids are out of the house, this is what we plan on doing. Sounds good in theory, but you have no guarantee. Keep that in mind. You'll see a whole lot could happen between now and then. Well, see, here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to work X number of years, and I'm going to save X amount of money. Oh, you are, huh? That's awesome that you know how it's going to go. So you've been given some insight. You know exactly how this is going to work. You know how many years you'll have health, how many years you'll have strength. You know how much money you'll be able to make. Oh, you know that nothing's going to happen between now and then. That is incredible. Who gave you that information? So we don't know. We could work all those years, make all that money, and then be the ones who drop dead and don't get to enjoy any of it. Well, I'm retiring next year. Yeah, maybe. But nothing's guaranteed. Yep, I'm going to retire at this stage of life, and whenever I retire, here's what me and the missus are going to start doing. You have no idea what you're going to be doing. You may be in a hospital room somewhere fighting cancer. Come on. I'm trying to show us something. We don't know. 
Because our lives are about as certain as the life of that fish or the life of that bird that is either swimming in the water or flying through the air that is caught in the net or that is ensnared by the trap. We don't know what the future holds. Nothing is certain. Our life is about as certain as the racers or the fighters or or, or the people who have great intelligence. We don't know. Time and chance, for lack of better words, really does happen to anyone and everyone. We have no idea what the future holds. And for us to sit back every once in a while and have this attitude that we know what the future looks like, friends, it is wrong because there is nothing certain for any of us. It could be over for any of us at any given time. Brother Kyle, I don't like that. I don't either. But it's true. Not one of us knows how much time we have, how much time our spouse has, how much time our children have, how much time our grandchildren have. We have no idea. Everything may go according to plan. But there's a real good chance it won't. Now, friends, here's why we have to work on this, this trap that we sometimes slip into. Just like we need to work on our anger or the words that we speak or the thoughts that we entertain, here's why we need to work at remembering nothing is guaranteed. Because many times, here's what happens. When we fail to remember that nothing, not even tomorrow, is guaranteed, we don't work at what's important like we ought to work at it. See, if we're always looking ahead, you know what we're missing? The now. Come on. When my kids get older, no, no, no. Your kids may not get older. Work on it now. Well, when my kids graduate, you may not be there to see them graduate. You work on it now. To instill in them the truths and the principles that you want them to have for the rest of their lives. You work on it now because you don't know if you've got later. If you want to enjoy it, you better work on it now. But see, if you've got in your mind that you'll do it later, then you're going to bypass and you're going to skip over the moment you have now. And you run the risk of regretting it. Well, in a couple of years, me and my wife are going to do this. That all sounds good and that all sounds fine. And, and, and it's okay to pencil things in, so to speak. But you and I cannot afford to get so wrapped up in looking ahead that we miss the now. I don't need to plan on working on my marriage. I need to be working 
on my marriage. I don't need to plan on working on the relationship and really growing it then. I need to be doing it now for this reason. She may be gone or I may be gone and and I may not have the chance to do then what I could have done now. Well, in a few years, I'll have a little bit more time and that's when I'll get more serious about my walk and my relationship with the Lord. You have no idea. Oh, it sounds good to say, then you'll do it, but then may not come. Because that net could be in the water right now, and we don't realize it. That snare could already be set, and we're unaware of it. Think about how Solomon is tying all these thoughts together. There is an event that takes place in the life of every individual. Rich or poor, educated or uneducated, it doesn't matter. Death happens to everyone. It just does. And when death has come, there is no more to be done, there is no more to be accomplished. And here's the thing, we don't know when that moment will be because nothing is certain. So enjoy life. Enjoy life. But in order to enjoy it, you must work at it. And when do I work at it? Not later. Because we don't know if later will come. We work at it now. I want to ask you this morning. Maybe it's true of you. Maybe it's not. But do we sometimes find ourselves assuming we've got X amount of time? Well, I'm 42 years old. If everything goes right, I should have another 35 years. I may not have another 35 minutes. Do we sometimes find ourselves planning ahead with great certainty as to what we'll do in the future when, truth be told, we have no idea if we'll ever even make it to that point? And if we would have to admit that sometimes we find ourselves looking ahead to what we believe the future will be, would we have to admit that that then, that attitude then, keeps us from working on things now like we ought to? If you know what I'm talking about, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Stop assuming that you know what the future holds because you don't work on it now and work hard and I know this should be obvious okay I I understand this should be obvious but I want to say it just to make sure that everybody understands that everything in which we approach should be from the perspective of working at it 
from a biblical, scriptural standpoint. Does that make sense? You don't start investing in your marriage from a secular standpoint. You do it from a biblical standpoint. You don't start investing in your kids from a worldly standpoint. You do it from a biblical standpoint because that's the only thing that matters. You don't start looking ahead to your retirement and working today from a secular standpoint. No, you do it from a biblical standpoint that if I want to you know, to be where I'm supposed to be financially anywhere, I need to start right now today from the biblical standpoint. Whatever it is, what you need to be working on, you need to be doing it from the biblical standpoint, not the secular worldly standpoint have we unintentionally slipped into a mindset of certainty and as a result looked ahead and not focused on today let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be reminded of what we all know, but yet we sometimes lose sight of. God, there is nothing certain. There is nothing guaranteed for any one of us today, not the young, not the old, not anyone. And God, I pray with that truth in mind that you would help us to see the importance of working at what we have right now and not putting it off for the future. Lord, would you help us to realize we've got a one-time shot at all of this. And either we do it right, right now, or we'll regret it later. Lord, would you help us to live with this truth in mind. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.